Just a heads up, y'all, this episode contains mature content and potty mouth language that you might not want your mama or little kids to hear. But the story is a doozy, so you might want to put on headphones or save it for later. Welcome to the All Y'all Podcast. I'm Chris J. And I'm Sarah Hebert. Chris and I produce All Y'all independently in Shreveport, Louisiana, where we are preparing to host our next live storytelling event on Friday, July 26th, 2019 at RSVP. This will be our second wildcard event where anyone can be called on to tell a true story in 10 minutes or less. Tickets are $15 each and they're available at allyallblog.com. This episode of All Y'all features storyteller Pamela Brown, who I can honestly say is one of the most fascinating people that Sarah and I have had the pleasure to meet through All Y'all. Pam shared her story on stage during our April 2017 live event, I Just Work Here. Before we hear her story, though, we want to take a quick moment to thank our season sponsor, Marilyn's Place. Marilyn's Place is the only place in town where Sunday morning feels like Saturday night. The Maryland Sunday Brunch experience is a rite of passage. Eating Boz's awesome specials and drinking bottomless cocktails until you're thoroughly relaxed and prepared for the week ahead. It is one of our favorite Shreveport experiences and you can join in every Sunday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Stick around following her story to hear more about Pam's fascinating career as a DEA agent. But first, here's her unbelievable story, which Sarah and I are calling Day Off. I loved being a special agent with DEA. For the first time in my life, after several professions, I found the job that checked all the boxes that would make me happy and make me want to flip a job to a career. It was mentally challenging. When you start a case and you anticipate a federal prosecution, there are many things that have to happen from here to here. You develop informants, you control informants, you collect evidence, you document evidence, You testify in court. You brief high-level officials. It was mentally challenging. That was important to me in a career. It was also physically challenging. You're following a guy in a car in Miami, and he makes you on surveillance, and he jumps out of the car and starts running through the streets of Miami. you got to get out of the car, and you got to follow him. Uh, I worked in the jungles of Bolivia in South America, uh, Central and South America, and uh, in doing so, I was part of a mission called Operation Snowcap, where we were said, fed uh, information from CIA locating cocaine labs. The theory was, let's get the drugs at the source before they come to the United States. So I was always equipped with heavy, heavy uh, guns and a lot of ammunition. It was physically challenging. That was important to me. It was emotionally challenging. Colleagues killed in the line of duty uh, as an agent going to conduct an arrest warrant at 6.30 in the morning, and you go through that door, and that little four-year-old child who sees you come through with black and gear and arrest their daddy. That was emotionally challenging for me because that's the first impression that little four-year-old boy is gonna have of law enforcement. It wasn't positive, so that was challenging. I'm also a little bit of an adventure freak. Everybody knows that. And DEA took me all over the world. I repelled out of helicopters. I uh, met some incredible people, learned about cultures. In fact, tonight I have three friends that are here from Thailand. I lived in Thailand and worked for DEA um, in charge of the drug operations in the Golden Triangle. So, kun mea, suwadika. 
kafkumaka mayim dishan tinika kunsom rakun kowa mikwamsukmak. Because of my job with DEA, I've met incredible people, and these have been very long-lasting friendships. So it gave me the opportunity to travel. And as someone who really didn't have a lot of finances growing up, this was important to me. When I went to the academy in uh, Quantico, Virginia, if you're an agent who really wanted to learn the job, you hoped that you would be assigned to one of the top three. At that time, it was LA, New York, or Miami. I got Miami, and I was happy about that. I'm a southern girl, I like warm climate, so I had sand, beaches. There were trees that had fruit that grew in people's backyards. <laughs> Oranges, mangoes, it was pretty cool. And when you think about it, I mean, would you rather drink a rum and coke, or would you rather have a Cuba Libre? <laughs> it was a sexy time, it was a sexy city. As a female in a, dom a male-dominated profession, I knew it was very important for me to prove myself. I understood that. I'm the one that signed up for the job, and I knew I'd have to prove myself. So my first year was very, very tough. In law enforcement, and I probably think in most professions, your reputation is built in your first year, and I was astutely aware of that. So I hit the ground running. Who wants to go through the door first at 6.30? I will, boss. You got it, Brown. Who will do the midnight shift? I will, boss. You got it, Brown. I volunteered for everything. I wanted to learn the job, and I wanted to earn the respect of my male colleagues, and I think I did that. So after about a 30-day stretch of no days off, just working, I got a day off, and I was so excited. So imagine me, 1989, it was in the summer, it was a Sunday, about 10 a.m. in the morning, and I gotta admit, you're probably looking at me now, and I may not look like I could wear a bikini, but I could rock one in 1989. <laughs> And this particular bikini was yellow. And I was tan and I was fit, I felt great. I'm on the dock waiting for my friends to show up. They had a boat, so there were five women. We're all different professions. And we're going out for a day of diving. Loading our gear up, I was excited. We go out and we dive. And I love diving because under the water, that pager could not go off. And under the water, I couldn't see that plane flying ahead and wonder how many drug couriers are on that plane. How much dope is in that cargo hold? Am I gonna get called out tonight? And I couldn't look at people and profile them, which I did because it helped me make cases. So I loved being under the water. It was great. The world just slowed down. And with every pull on that regulator, I could hear myself breathe. And the world felt soft and sweet and slow. So I loved it. We had two dives that day. Our first dive was a, a shallow dive. For most divers, you know, you don't need to go deep to have a really good dive. 
We went a 25-foot deep dive the first one. The second was about 40 feet. You always leave one person or two people on the boat to protect the equipment, make sure that everything's okay. We came up, and I'm going to change the names to protect the not-so-innocent here. We came up, and Mary is there screaming, why did you stay down so long? Look, and it was raining, and the waves were splashing, and we were taking on water. So we quickly got out of the water, got into the boat, and as we did to crank the engine, it would not turn over. So I'm like, shit. <laughs> Sorry, mother. Uh, and then we tried to get on the radio. We could not get anyone on the radio. Basically, we were shit out of luck. And we were drenched, and the boat did not look like we were going to make it out. All the other boats had gone in. Out of nowhere comes this really cool cigarette boat, go fast boat. And it passes us. We're waving our towels. It turns around and comes back. Now, on my boat, I had Debbie and Mary. Mary, like most women of that generation, she's taking the blame. I should have got it fixed. I don't know what I was doing. Her girlfriend is like, yeah, you should have, and gnawing at her. And the other two were back there scared to death because they really didn't have that much trauma in their life. <laughs> so Lewis, from the, cig uh, the cigarette boat, stands this gorgeous, good-looking Latino. Do you ladies need some help? <laughs> oh, please, we do. So he and I got to work and we tethered the boat. What would you like for us to take you? I said, the nearest beachside bar. <laughs> and he did. We slowed their journey down. There were three guys on the boat. We go to a beachside bar. We dock the boat. We go into the bar and we're shivering. By the way, I did still have on that yellow bikini. We go into the bar and we sit down and Luis and I find common ground. He's from LA, in Miami on business. I'd gone to college in California. So we had beaches to talk about and other commonalities. We're hitting it off. I speak a little Spanish and we're talking. Everybody else is lost in their own world. About five minutes into the conversation and two drinks later, I mean, you pound drinks when you're wet and there's a storm, right? <laughs> I felt Luis, who was sitting to my right, put his left hand on my right thigh. Again, I apologize, mother. And he's, as he does this, I go, motherfucker, I cannot believe this. I just want to have a drink. I don't want to get picked up. Have I given him any impression that I'm interested in him? So I immediately go into my best undercover role, and Luis, this is not going to happen. We're not going to hook up. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm sure. But I think that you and I would be great friends. You're fit. I'm fit. We have a lot in common. I think we're going to be good friends. Pamela, what you're telling me? A woman? who is my friend that I do not have sex with? <laughs> this can happen? And I said, yes, this can happen. This will happen. As we're talking, he says, uh, Pamela, what do you do? 
well, I'm a personal trainer. That was my, one of my undercover roles, cover roles, and I had a, uh, a card. I'm a personal trainer. I knew it. I see you in the yellow bikini, and I think, oh, yes, she into the fitness. <laughs> what do you think I do? You're a banker? Oh, no, no, no. I'm no banker. I will never wear a suit. I hate the suit. We continue talking. And then five minutes later, he puts his hand again on my leg. And I'm like, Luis, please, no. No, I have for you a present. I'm going to take my hand off your leg, and I want you to look. Takes his hand off my leg, and I reach down there. And there is a large packet of cocaine. <laughs> more than enough for us, to, everyone in this room, to get high. <laughs> and I am like, damn, please, please, why can I never get away from this? But I can't reveal that, so I immediately, that is so sweet. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I like you. I know you are the woman that I'm going to have as a friend, and we will not have the sex. <laughs> but I want you to have this. Look, dude, this is wasted on me. Now, I'm a special agent sworn to uphold the federal narcotics laws. And I lived it, I breathed it, I was married to my job. So now I go into this quandary, this dilemma. This is wasted on me. No, I want you to have it. It's good. You know, you can take it. You don't have to party with me. You can take the dope. You can do whatever you want. No, I don't, I don't want it. Okay, but this is the tip of the iceberg. I can't get much more. I want you to have it. <laughs> so I'm realizing, okay, I've had three drinks. This could be a good fit. This could be a good case. I go to the bathroom. And I'm thinking, okay, what can I do? Okay, I can get on the phone, because then we didn't have cell phones. There were phones in between the men's and the females' bathrooms. I can go there, I can call base, I can get a group rallied, we can put this together, we can follow him back to the hotel, we can pick him off, we can do this. This could be a good case. He's from LA, he has a go-fast boat. Uh, he's here for business, he's got a lot of money, and he's hot, we can do this. <laughs> But I also was thinking on this other side, what a lesson in karma. This guy rescued you, saved you, and I'm telling you, we would not have gotten out of there. It was real, the seas were high, and we were really in jeopardy. How do I repay this guy? At the end, I decided to walk out, go back, collect myself. And as I walk out and I go, Luis steps up and he goes, I accept your proposal. And I'm thinking, I proposed? I'm known to get a little affectionate after two or three drinks, but I proposed? <laughs> I will be your friend. You will be the woman that I have as a friend that I will not have sex with. I accept your proposal. So we shake on it. He gives me his phone number. <laughs> I decide not to do anything with it. A cop, when you go home, you take your gun off, you put it by your bedside table. So every day for a week, when I went home, I took my gun, I put it off, I took that phone number and I put it down. Every morning I would get up, I'd put that in my pocket, his phone number, I put my gun on me. And I would 
really think about this. I'm a Baptist. I grew up a Baptist. You're going to die and go to hell. <laughs> you're supposed to uphold the drug laws. This guy saved you. He says, you're going to arrest him? For a week, I did that. At the end of the week, on Friday morning, I got up, took a shower, put the gun on, took the notes, went to the toilet, and flushed his phone number. And I decided at that day, yeah, I'm going to die. I might go to hell, but not for letting Luis go. And I also decided at that point, in any profession, sometimes you got to do the wrong thing for the right reason. And that day, I felt like I did the wrong thing, perhaps, for the right reason. So I, here I am all these years later, much more seasoned and wise, and not one day have I regretted making that decision. Thank you for listening to my story. That was Pam Brown recorded live on stage at the Women's Department Club of Shreveport in April 2017. Because it had been a while since we heard from Pam, Chris and I stopped by her beautiful, I mean, it's drop-dead gorgeous home in Broadmoor, and we had a glass of wine and we caught up. But before we hear that conversation, we need to take a moment to thank our podcast sponsor, Maxcentric. Maxcentric is Shreveport's locally owned Apple premium service provider. Only 18% of Apple's authorized service providers end up being granted premium service provider status. That means these guys are pretty much the best of the best and they've got all sorts of certifications to prove it. They're kind of like the top gun of repairing computers. If you've experienced their stellar customer service, please consider leaving them a Google review or learn more about all the services that they provide by visiting maccentric.net. I think a pretty funny review would be like, Maccentric is the maverick to my goose. Yeah, or the Iceman to my goose, or you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. goose dies. Oh. But, but I mean, with honor. And spoiler we, alert, by the way. <laughs> I mean, we... We totally <laughs> forgot the spoiler alert top this gun. This is the spoiler cast. Yes, this is the uh, from here on out. It's going to get real spoilery with the, the with top gun. Top, the, the film Top Gun. <laughs> I'm sorry. What what were we saying? So you know, getting back to Pam Brown, when you visit her, you just feel cool because basically you're drinking wine with a retired secret agent. I mean, how many people say that they do that? I mean, I feel like I'm part of an elite society now. So we were we had a glass of wine with Pam and we looked at all of her beautiful art from all over the world. There's pieces from Thailand, Vietnam. I mean, really one of the most gorgeous collections I've seen in Shreveport. Yeah, it's like the beginning of an action movie when we went to interview her. It's like you expect to see a black helicopter land in the backyard and for Morgan Freeman <laughs> to like step out and be like, Pam, we got to call you back into action. <laughs> After walking us through her art collection, Pam sat down and told us how she found herself, a young Baptist woman from Monroe, Louisiana, working as an undercover DEA agent at the height of the cocaine era in Miami. The story began at Tulane Medical Center in New Orleans, where Pam was working at the time. But I had this really cool patient, and one day he came to me and he said, Pam, you are wasting your, your abilities. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He said, DEA is hiring. Have you ever heard of DEA? I'm like, no. Who is that? What is that? And he explained it to me, and he said, they're looking for females, and I put you on their radar. And he said, you have a master's degree. You just ran a marathon. 
you're not married, you like to travel, you want to travel, you don't have the means to travel, but um, I think this may be a good thing for you and a good thing for DEA, it's a win-win. Well, growing up in Monroe, Louisiana, women were taught that you were going to get married right out of high school, marry a high school sweetheart who was probably working in the oil field. Um, you could become a teacher or, or a nurse. That's what good girls did. That's what good Baptist girls did right out of high school. And I followed that path with teaching. And then that led me to getting my master's in physiology, which then led me to Tulane Medical Center. And then who would have thought that at Tulane Medical Center, I found my true calling. And I tell you, it was my true calling. In my entire career, there were very few days that I did not want to get up and go to work. DEA checked all the boxes for me. Um, I could be physical. I had to be mental. It was adventurous. It was daring. I needed to do undercover. I also had to testify in front of juries and work with the U.S. Attorney's Office. All the things about me that needed to be fulfilled to make me happy in a job, that career did it. So 23 years later, I retired and was ready to retire because you can only cheat the gods and the goddesses so long. And I felt like I had done that. I'll tell you this, I worked in Bolivia. It was an operation called Operation Snowcap, and I was one of the few women that were part of it. And it was a covert mission where you go to the source countries, and that was Bolivia and Peru. And I remember my first tour in Bolivia in the jungle, and I came upon this little village. And I have binoculars, and I'm watching this little girl. She goes to the stream, takes a bucket, and goes back into this little hut and we followed her because we know that this is a source area that these farmers are um, working in the industry and I went in and I see this I have the most beautiful picture of it I see this five-year-old girl tending to her infant brother while both of her parents were off in the field uh, growing coca and I thought at that moment if I were here and I lived in this village and I had two children to take care of and I could grow coca and make more money than growing corn, I guarantee you I'd be the best coca grower in the world. So I think that sometimes in life we have to not so much criticize, but look, really look and um, look at the nuances of life that, that make us, that define us, that change us. So yeah, that time, um, I remember in Bolivia that just being a very uh, pivotal story in my life and my career as an agent, that it's not always black and white. I think that's it. Yeah, Anything else you want to share? Yeah, I would just like to encourage women. I know when I told my story to all y'all, there were a lot of women there. And I hope that I empowered some female to go home and tell their granddaughter or their daughter or their sister that there's so many opportunities out there. For a long time, I know when I grew up, I wasn't told that I could do those things. So I never imagined that I could. And I think that we need to, as females, look outside the box and know that we are competitive in every field. 
often we need to get out of our comfort zone. So I hope that during all y'all, or if anyone listens to this, think about not the things in front of you, but the things that aren't in front of you to enhance your life. Thanks for listening to another episode of All Y'all. If you enjoyed this episode, there are lots more streaming for your enjoyment at allyallblog.com or in your favorite podcast app. You can also keep up with the latest All Y'all news by liking All Y'all on Facebook or following at All Y'all Podcasts on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, and here's a little news from our other podcast, Stuffed and Busted. We've launched a weekly e-newsletter about food and drink and the people who prepare them in Shreveport. And you can sign up for it at tinyletter.com slash stuffed and busted. And again, that's tinyletter.com slash stuffed and busted. The first edition went out recently and I'm working on the second one right now, which is all about snow cones in Shreveport. Yum. It's just an email a week about the local restaurant scene, snow cone stands, farmer's markets, drive through daiquiris. Things, things you can put in your mouth and in your belly. Exactly. So um, thanks for uh, listening to another episode <laughs> of the All Y'all Podcast. And if you want to subscribe to the Stuffed and Busted newsletter, please do. Do we have any other spoilers for people who made it to the end of the episode? Top Gun spoilers? Oh, who wins? Um, I'll tell you one thing. Some asses get slapped in the in the um showers yeah that is true after the volleyball game yeah and th- um, this is my last spoiler for the episode it'll be like dropping the mic are you ready yeah snape kills dumbledore in top gun <laughs>